there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. It's the Advanced Medicine Traveling Road Show as Dr. Batar is on his way. I won't say where he's going unless he wants to, but man, oh man. You are a traveling man. Well, all I can say is that it's regardless of travel or not, your schedule, my schedule, the show goes on. Yes, the show must go on indeed. And uh, last week we covered for the first time the Zika virus, and we both called it a scam. And guess what? We're both right. More and more evidence comes to the fore over the last week as we've been following this story that says they have no evidence whatsoever that the Zika virus is responsible for anything, much less something called microcephaly, since it's been known since the 1940s to do nothing, and then suddenly they say, well, now it's suddenly doing something in concert with what? Massive spraying of pesticides in Brazil, particularly where they focus this. Massive use of Tdap vaccines in pregnant women, which they've never done in mass before. Also, they're acknowledging the well the release of genetically engineered mosquitoes this and any and all environmental factors including malnutrition everything else that we know manifesting what what do you expect i mean how do kids how are kids going to develop healthily in the in the belly if i say it not scientifically of women who are being exposed to this kind of thing yeah the thing is that this uh, virus this is zika virus that they're talking about it's been around for at least 60, 70 years, hasn't it? Well, you know, that you and I know about it or they know about it. I mean, come on. How long a virus has been around? Probably forever, except, oh, well, we identified it then. And now suddenly, yeah. 60, 70 years later, oh, this is the thing. It's causing the shrunken head syndrome, if we want to call it that, microcephaly. And again, it's so blatant. But they expect that, of course, their own reporters are not going to report on this. They don't ask questions. They'll go to MDs who have retired MDity status and become reporters, and they'll just you know spout off whatever they're told to read. Yeah, it's a sad, sad situation. There is absolutely no integrity at all when it comes to these uh, types of stories. And it's actually, if you understand what the agenda is, then you would understand that expecting to have integrity in those type of stories is... An oxymoron. It's uh, you know, it's a contradiction in terms. You're not going to get any integrity in it because they've got a, a agenda that's highly suspect. So, mm-hmm. well, of course, as you know, the agenda is uh, the the future of, of of pharmaceutical medicine. It's vaccines, and if we can get one approved by the agencies that we own and then get put on the schedule, then we have no liability whatsoever should they harm, injure, or kill. So, come on, who wouldn't want that if you're part of that industry and your business is making money? You know, the thing that really gets to me is that if you are just a small-time manufacturer of anything, you know, it's a car seat or it's a supplement or it's a window tainting or whatever it is, you know, anything small, and there's any perceivable danger or safety issue, they'll have recalls and they'll have to pay fines, et cetera, et cetera. But now you take substances that are injected into the body by major, huge companies that have that, that have can, contain known poisons and they get a buy they get a pass they get out of jail card free and nobody bats an eye and mm-hmm. so i'm wondering why is it that the public doesn't ask 
that question. In fact, I wonder why any of the politicians that are running right now for for president or throughout the years that have run for president mm -hmm. have not been asked that question. Why is it that every other agency, every other organization, every other industry has to be accountable for, da uh, for damage that they've done to people, safety issues, etc., except for the pharmaceutical company? Yeah, it's absolutely right. Now, um, who could call out BS? I mean, they, they always say, never BS a BSer. I'm just saying it politely so we don't get cut off the radio. Never BS a BSer. You know, Trump, I have to say, in this regard, can smell BS a mile away. Sure, he can dish it out, too, but I think he's the guy most likely to go, uh-uh, that's not happening. I'm just, that's my sense of it here. Even though Rand Paul, whether he would fall for it or not, would never fall prey to the mandatory concept because he's all about individual liberty, so we give him props for that. But beyond that, I don't know of the candidates who wouldn't just fall over and say, let's throw all the money we can at NIH to develop a vaccine that may already exist. They've just been waiting for this opportunity to unroll it. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, a true statement. And, you know, that kind of shows that there's a, there's a lot of, lack of awareness but trump is um even though there are the things that we wouldn't agree with him you know he has actually highlighted the uh mercury issue the autism issue uh the vaccination issue he's brought that up in a number of occasions he has because he knows firsthand from people that he works very closely with mm -hmm. they've had children who are injured by these vaccines and I, I'm certain that they, they've, they've read your book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, at least somebody up there at that level, because they, they've just got too much awareness. They can't be BSed on this issue. And that, of course, is problematic uh, for the medical powers that be. But Well, for bet between you and me, mm -hmm. for both of us, yeah. there's only one degree of separation between Trump and us. That's true. Yeah, as, that's you, true. as you know, of course, the people, in fact, the person who introduced us yep. all those years ago, Yep. Um, so, you know, since she works for, as a consultant for Trump, I know that he knows about that issue, and I'm sure that she, because their grandchild, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, we treated them, in fact. Yes. Um, but I'm sure that uh, that's part of it, as you said. But I think that's also on a different level. You know, the one thing that I do appreciate about Trump, regardless of what he says or he doesn't say or whether he knows or doesn't know, the one thing is that he calls it how it is. And I think that's the reason that a lot of people have, uh, flocked him because he's a, a, a breath of fresh air when it comes into the when you compare it to the rest of the politicians because sure. he calls it the way it is and it's it's raw it's blunt it's bold mm -hmm. communication and people are hungry for that yeah i keep asking though dr batar about why Rand paul's not resonating in the same way his his dad did and, and some of it is because he's toned the, the language down although he seems to have gotten bolder again now that he's not increasing in the poll numbers uh, but I think there's also an intellectual uh, absence intellectual uh, engagement on these issues that Rand is he's an intellectual I mean he gets this from an academic and historical perspective and you know to be honest my fellow Americans and I'm excluding the audience here that tends to dig deeper but in a general sense Americans are more into a visceral emotional reaction perhaps it's humans uh, human nature at this point and only a smaller percentage go into that intellectual depth of this is how we got here I want to I want to focus there and Rand does that so it doesn't engage people the way the rhetoric and the power of the delivery that uh, that the most entertaining of all candidates, Donald Trump, does. Yeah, I think that's true. But the last debate, supposedly, at least according to the Washington Post, they said that he did. They felt that he had won it. Um, I didn't really watch too much of the debate. I only watched maybe fifteen, twenty minutes of it. But 
you know, I think you're right. I mean, maybe a little too late. Mm. Well, Rand, yeah, Rand did well in the last one, of course, without Trump there taking the air out of the room for everybody. Uh, and he spoke in, in ways that, again, as I said, it's more engaging intellectually, and that's the refreshing part of it. But, again, if you want the raw meat, so to speak, uh, it may not be delivered in that way. And, and that's, yeah. that's, it, that's it. You know, who's got, who's got the soundbite? And I recognize that that's just the culture we're in right now. Uh, fluoridated, uh, lead in the water pipes coming in. Oh, by the way, on that lead issue out of Flint, Michigan, I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I, this is something I know we've covered it before. Why don't I ask you again for everybody to hear? Because I, I say this. I was like, where is the movement from the outrage on the left, which there should be outrage everywhere over this issue. But where is the movement to say, hey, you know that money that you're demanding for restitution for these people? Why doesn't it engage in the process of getting these kids on IV chelation of some kind? Isn't that the, the starting point for IV chelation was lead poisoning? Uh, absolutely. That's the, that's the uh, origin behind chelation is when they were trying to take the lead out of the uh, factory workers uh, in Michigan, in fact, in Detroit, Michigan. And um, they noticed that while they were removing the lead in these individuals that had been exposed in the car manufacturing industry, they found that a side effect of the removal of the lead was they started having decreased symptoms of circulatory disorders, whether it be uh, cardiac or or peripheral circulatory issues, blood pressure issues, etc. And um, that's how actually chelation became uh, popular because of that, that exact finding, the decrease in lead that was causing a uh, reduction in the oxidative stress on the vascular system. So you're absolutely right, and um, it is a wonder why they haven't uh, discussed it, but it probably comes back down to the pharmaceutical influence again. Yeah, so the, but I, I was just thinking about that because it's one thing, and I said in the in the history of this, what happened is that it was a promising treatment, actually a validated treatment. It said lead poisoning, let's get the lead out. They did it, and oh my gosh, we discovered that it also somehow cleared the arteries. That would uh, put the kibosh on the emerging profitable uh, procedure known as open heart surgery, bypass surgery of the 20th century cardiology profession, and that of course was extraordinarily profitable, and that, that could not be curtailed, so they had to curtail IV chelation, despite the fact that they can't deny the science that says, yeah, it was for lead to begin with. Yeah, interestingly enough, um, in the physician's desk reference in the 1950s, and I believe even as early as the early 1960s, but definitely in the 1950s, um, EDTA was approved for cardiac conditions. So from the 1940s, when it became uh, widely known that the use of room, of uh, EDTA to remove lead mm-hmm. was having this incidental uh, improvement in cardiac and circulatory type issues. That was like in the 1940s. So by the 1960s, it became um, published in the physician's desk reference as an indication EDTA or cardiovascular disease was an indication for IV EDTA usage. But then upon the advent of bypass, that indication suddenly disappeared, and no longer could you find a reference on the physician desk reference for the use of EDTA in exactly. cardiac conditions. If you ever need evidence of collusion in the media to keep people completely unaware of real remedies, this story out of Flint, Michigan is one. We're going to, we're going to talk more with Dr. Batar as we do some more advanced medicine on this issue. Of course, all of the years he's been helping uh, kids, particularly who have been injured by vaccines and mercury, 
Uh, I don't know if we've actually focused on lead as, as well. So I want to ask them a little bit more about the recovery of these kids potentially in Flint that have been exposed to lead in the water supply there. Stick with us. we got lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine, and, of course, MedicalRewind.com, one of the easiest places to get the archives right or pretty soon after the show is over here. So check it out. Lots more healing to go with Dr. Batar and Robert Scott Bell after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world to the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, Dr. Batar, you might not realize this, but uh, we are ending our fifth full year of broadcasting together, Advanced Medicine, and, and beginning the sixth year starting tomorrow. So our next episode will be our first in the sixth year since we launched I, to change the world. I actually totally forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Five full years, and you're about to fall asleep. What have we done? What have we done wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You started yawning first. I did. Off the air, we're like, oh, man, have we been at this for a while? Maybe we should take a break. No, no, we're back. Listen, it's been incredible, and really it has been transformative for so many, as you know, we've heard from over the years listening around the world. And, you know, this subject matter, we somehow we never run out of things to talk about. I, I guess just the nature of the world, there's an infinite amount of things, but there's an infinite amount of corruption, and that includes in politics and medicine in so many areas that we have to call them out on it. And this thing in Flint, Michigan, which is a terrible disaster, you know, lead in the water pipes, probably a lot more than that. But if we talk about this specifically as a distinct, maybe if I can call it a distinct difference, then mercury, obviously they're different in terms of the intensity of the impact. We've, t- we've touched on that. But have you personally experienced or do you know in terms of reversing the damage associated with lead via chelation in the patient or, or children's patient population? Well, the removal of lead has a very dramatic effect in children. And, in fact, some of the studies that were done originally talked about how lower IQ was associated with lead toxicity. And here's the weirdest thing. The study that was published, I believe, in, in, vas- in the Journal of Vascular Surgery, they showed that lower dose of lead or lower levels of lead toxicity had a higher level of damage than higher lead levels and caused more of a decrease in IQ. Wow. Now, it's interesting. It's kind of like from... Um, principle, the Hahnemann principle of homeopathics, almost like the lower mm-hmm. level was having a more profound effect. I, I have no idea, they haven't been able to explain that, and I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe there's a component to it, but they definitely found that lower lead levels had a higher level of toxicity and reduction in IQ greater than higher lead levels. Interesting. Well, we've, we've talked about the difference between acute radiation exposure versus long-term chronic low level as well. Your body responds or reacts in a way. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but in terms of detoxing the lead and seeing recovery, you know how it is you say the earlier the better, like with those children that have come to you with vaccine injury due to mercury primarily. Have you seen mm-hmm. similar patterns? Have they emerged in that regard? Can we see even years later reduction in, in, in let's say, the, the side effects or direct effects of lead toxicity? Well, lead toxicity from a neurological standpoint is not nearly as bad as mercury, but the problem is you never find one without the other. That's the first thing. Right. They're, they're always synonymous. And then 
you have a lot of issues. In fact, I don't even know whether they've checked these children. When people are talking about the Flint, Michigan story, I don't know whether they actually checked for mercury or not. But um, the other issue is... Well, they're they're minimizing it if it exists, and I know just like you do that it likely does uh, coming out of that polluted river, much less the pipes and things. But uh, they are purposefully not mentioning anything but the lead in this case. Maybe a few other things. Right. Well, it certainly is an issue, um, and it certainly will cause an effect on the um, IQ level. But then there's of course the long term effect of how it. Uh, impacts the circulation the circulatory system of the body and so that's a very big impact and as you know lead gets stored inside a bone so it takes years and years to get it out of the system and oftentimes when checked it won't show uh, especially with the non-excreters and it's a very common thing for people to have some of these metals lead mercury and others and not be aware of them and when they're tested the levels don't show up so the doctors have a false sense of security because they don't see any metals coming out and they tell the patient you don't have an issue with this and so the patient goes on looking for another source of what could be causing their problem but unbeknownst to them the reason nothing's showing up is because the body's holding on to it and they can't eliminate it and so that's why the levels are high I and mean, that's why the levels are low because the body's holding on to it so that high level that the doctors are looking for never shows up until an individual starts actually getting treatment and as you do the treatment in these people you'll start seeing the levels progressively increasing as opposed to high levels that show off right off the bat in an individual that is not a non-excreter meaning he they right. do excrete so it increases in the process of excretion if you will you're clawing it out or however it's described and at that point you could test levels they'll test higher but it's finally being relinquished for instance from the bone tissue all right we're going to take a break continue on in this important discussion here for any of you that know folks in flint michigan get the word out there are ways to help these kids don't feed into the lies don't be part of the lies coming to the mainstream media saying there's nothing that can be done there is plenty and we'll talk about it more with dr Vitar after this the robert scott bell show In the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, this week I'm heading to Colorado for the Right to Try conference, and that would be truly the right to know things like chelation therapy, the right to access them for these kids in Flint, Michigan, Dr. Bittar. I'm telling you, the media is falling down on this. The Hollywood liberal elite intelligentsia, even if they want to help or claim if they're sincere, they're not talking about chelation. They're not talking about metal detoxification. I've seen nothing in the media about this. You probably won't because they won't allow any attention to be brought to treatments like uh, heavy metal to- treatments that will address heavy metal toxicities. Chelation is a bad word in the media and you know they say there's uh, that old adage there's no such thing as bad publicity so I think the big pharma recognizes that and so they don't want any good or bad or any type of mention of something like chelation because it will increase visibility and then mm-hmm. people will be curious and they'll look it up and then they'll find the answers and so they don't want to even talk about it. It's just hidden completely. This is where the informed consent issue, I have such a uh, pet peeve about the informed consent. When they talk about informed consent, you need to give patients uh, all the different options that are possible. Mm-hmm. So then if that's true and that's a legal requirement to give informed consent, then why don't we talk about chelation and many other 
uh, exactly. disease processes because that's the only thing that is fair and right and ethical is to give all options. And if chelation is an option, then that should be given. But no, you don't give chelation as an option. Right. And not that we're, uh, that I'd be saying only do homeopathy, but even the use, for goodness sake, of homeopathic lead, plumbum metallicum, has been shown in studies, double-blind studies, to, to help the body to begin the excretion process better than doing nothing at all, even though I would want them to do chelation as well. Yeah, well, and that's, I guess the point is, it's not just chelation or homeopathy, but there's so many other modalities of treatment that may have a potential benefit and certainly would be higher than a 40 or 45 percent response rate as is with most drugs so why don't we include any and all components that may have a beneficial response in the patient but it's not considered to be part of informed consent Right. Well, what, I mean, they, they probably want to give L-DOPA. I don't know. So, some kind of thing. Hey, let's stimulate hyperstimulate. Hey, man, maybe we can uh, repurpose uh, ADHD drugs for these kids with lead poisoning. I, I'm, I'm telling you, they're just ignoring what is just so there. Anybody could find it if they would be willing to look past the pharmaceutically conflicted mainstream media on this, uh, on this case. Yeah, they, they use that term, evidence-based medicine. You know, we've talked about this so many times before on the show, but yeah. the use of that term, evidence-based medicine, is so bastardized they don't look at anything that's based on evidence and so if you start looking at the evidence you start looking at the pathophysiology behind many of these disease processes you see the increase in oxidative stress that uh, the patient is experiencing and then you trace that oxidative stress back rather than just putting the person into a box that's labeled with the disease you start looking at the actual cause and then you see the cause of oxidative stress and you start seeing where is that oxidative stress coming from where is that increase in oxidative stress coming from and then you start seeing what the patterns are, where the issues lie, chemicals, metals, etc., and start addressing it, there is a tremendous response that patients have. And what I just did was I summarized what our philosophy is. Our philosophy is just getting rid of the oxidative stress and then allowing the burden of the system to essentially be alleviated. And as the the burden is reduced and the body doesn't have to deal with all that burden, the body's own natural mechanisms start kicking in. And whether it's you know, what, no matter what disease process we're talking about, the reduction of oxidative stress by definition will improve the individual. And if you can effectively, the key operative word here is effectively, if you can effectively detoxify the body, then chronic disease by definition can exist. Yeah, well, that kind of message is, uh, uh, well, again, plainly missing from the reports in the dominant mainstream media, which is, again, it, it, it's losing influence. Thank, thank goodness. I mean, case in point, what we opened today with, the Zika virus scam. We're a week in or so to this scam or more, and we're seeing through it. More people than ever are seeing through it before we get to the Olympics in, in, I believe, in August in Brazil, where who knows by then they might be saying in order to go to it, you have to be vaccinated for it, even though we've not come out with the vaccine, but we'll say we have it. We won't have adequate testing, but it's an emergency. Get it, te- get it anyway. And I'm telling you, this is the script. This is the playbook. Eventually, they're going to have to come up with something better because it's just not going to work the same way anymore. It's the same pattern. It's the same exact play. You know, they did this with the H1N1. They did this with the bird flu, with the swine flu, with this flu and that flu and everything else. It's the same play. It's hype. It's fear tactics. It's manipulation. Mm-hmm. They sell all the vaccines. More people get hurt. Um, and then it disappears. So, you know, it's one of those things that um, you, you figure out that after a play, you know, it's, it's almost like watching a football game and – once you see the quarterback get sacked, you'd think, okay, they'd go to a different play. But no, they keep on doing the same play over and over and over again. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, don't learn, don't learn. Uh, back to the Zika virus as well. I mean, uh, we we're publishing uh, evidence uh, that there are things that actually cause microcephaly that have nothing to do with the virus. And in case uh, you didn't know, glyphosate, which is that Roundup crop genetically engineered type of uh, uh, pesticide, has shown in studies, clinical trials, to impact on development of, uh, of embryos, right, in different species. They say the direct effect of glyphosate on, on these embryos opens concern about the clinical findings from human offspring in populations exposed to this uh, glyphosate-based herbicides uh, in agricultural fields. And one of the effects of the exposure is, guess what, microcephaly the small mm. heads. So it's not an unknown. It is known in the scientific literature. And for them to be denying that and pointing only to the virus is the height of, again, uh, complicity, responsibility, uh, illegality, criminality on the part of the media in, in complicitness with these global corporations. You almost sound like Don King there just now. <laughs> did, did I sound like Don King, the boxing promoter? Really? Yeah, the way all the rhyming. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know I was rhyming. I just just let, oh, yeah. it, let it loose, man. Just the passion's coming through. Not like usual. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, throw you off. Uh, no, you, you, you need to balance out my intensity right now. That's a very good thing that you're doing because I, you know, I, I nearly cussed on the air yesterday about this stuff. I was getting so disgusted by it, but uh, uh, got to find some light-hearted moments in here. And uh, I'm having difficulty at the moment. I'll be honest with you. Well, I think that all in all, though, it you, you're 100 percent right, and more and more awareness, more and more light is being shined and the rats are scurrying and um, it, it's no different than the last five six years Robert we're seeing more and more people becoming aware mm -hmm. guess what in the United States uh, we've got evidence now that there are 25,000 cases of microcephaly every year in the United States and this has been going on for how long they haven't suddenly come out and said oh my gosh the Zika virus has been doing this in everybody and of course in the cases down in Brazil you know if they're finding it in one-tenth of all the cases that might be news uh, so how could it be causing all of the microcephaly when it's only there in a fraction of the cases if that so um, a quote from uh, this uh, practice parameter evaluation of the child with microcephaly and evidence-based review funny enough that they say that this is in the journal neurology this is a, not a small journal uh, it says microcephaly may result from any insult that disturbs early brain growth. Annually, approximately 25,000 infants in the United States will be diagnosed with microcephaly. Any insult that disturbs early brain growth. Could that mean toxic pesticides? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So just keep yelling just Zika. An it's an additive effect, too. So, you, you know, as you said in the beginning of the show, you listed some of these different environmental components and you added them together with the increase in vaccinations, pregnant moms getting uh, exposed to this stuff. You know, you pile each one thing on. It's not an additive. It's not a linear one plus one equals two. It's a exponential one plus one equals five type of a formula. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about microcephaly right now, but what other aspects is this uh, having an impact on? And I'm certain that the immune system is being affected and downstream, you know, 5, 10, 20 years down, these people are going to see a higher incidence of cancer. Already we're seeing a much higher incidence of cancer in the younger patient population, uh, exponentially increasing over the last 20, 25 years. And over 10 years ago, I made the comment, probably closer to 15 years ago, I made the comment that uh, the, the incidence of these individuals receiving vaccines will later on in life increase the 
uh, likelihood of them getting cancer only because their immune systems are being damaged right now. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what's happening because cancer is an immune system dysfunction issue. You can't have cancer if your immune system is intact. And if you, if you have cancer, then by definition, your immune system is no longer functioning. Incredible. Uh, Reuters had an article about, the, the again, the Zika thing. They're all trying to link it. And then you read in this article, uh, it says a 2007 Zika outbreak on Yap Islands in Micronesia is estimated to have affected nearly 75% of the population of some 12,000 people. And a 2013 outbreak in French Polynesia affected nearly 28,000 of 270,000 residents. Guess what? And I'm adding the guess what? Neither epidemic caused a spike in microcephaly. Hmm. Okay, now su- now suddenly it's the cause of microcephaly yet never before. Come on, yeah, you can't you can't tell me that. And I know you comes back to comes back to the virus hunters that you've talked about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is this this is the game, and they're playing it on all of us if we continue to play along. You listen to this: the BBC, January twenty eighth. There has been a steep rise in the level of microcephaly, babies born with abnormally small heads, and the rare nervous system disorder, Guillaume Barre syndrome. The link between the virus and these disorders has not yet been confirmed, but Dr. Chen, Director General of the World Health Organization, said it was strongly suspected and was deeply alarming. <laughs> okay, mm. right? No evidence to suspect it, but uh, we suspect it anyway because we need a story to tell folks to keep them off of the reality that these big companies that are poisoning the population are really the, really the responsible party. Yeah, you have to have something to blame it on. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have it... Uh... You have to blame it on something that, that uh, it, it almost reminds me of the uh, witch hunts, the Salem witch hunts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. This, is, this is really amazing. It's the job of the World Health Organization to lie for the pharmaceutical industrial complex, for the, uh, well, the, the biotech industry, etc., and our CDC and our uh, institutions of so-called higher learning. Actually, it's higher indoctrination play along because the money train only flows as long as they continue to look at causes that are not really causes, a.k.a. viruses, and ignore the toxins and heavy metals that we point to every week here when we do advanced medicine together. Yep, I would um, have to say that the key, based upon what you just said and based upon what I've seen in clinical practice now, and I've been practicing for over 25, actually 26 years now, and this type of medicine for the last 22 years, 21 years, um, I would have to say that if you can detoxify the body effectively, that detoxification process will lead to so many various things, but obviously the elimination of disease is the biggest one, but the other one that is very big in nope, the media... Hold that thought. Talk- we're on a break. This is a cliffhanger. Don't forget where we just were. Don't fall asleep, Dr. Batar. we got one more segment to go. Advanced Medicine continues here. Remember, Medical Rewind, as well as all the links in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I promise you, I did not plan that cliffhanger of a, of, of a break, but you know, you were on it. I didn't want to stop you, but I had to. So. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, uh, the moment's gone now, Robert. I don't remember. No, what no, no you can't kidding, do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say that not only is the reduction of toxicity so paramount in eliminating the disease process that we normally associate with 
uh, a virus, a bacteria, whatever. And these, it's not to say that bacteria and viruses don't cause these problems. They do cause these problems. But why does a bacteria or virus or spirochete or mycoplasma or yeast cause a problem in one individual but not in another individual? Mm-hmm. And the reason it doesn't cause a problem in all individuals is because of the varying level of toxicity. Some people are more susceptible. Right. Some people are less susceptible. The reason that people are more susceptible because of the toxicity level, because of the stress level, because of the, you know, how much sleep they're getting, how much nutrition they're getting, or lack of nutrition they're getting, etc. So obviously the disease process is one aspect of this that everybody is interested in. That's what we talk about. But the other one that is so important that is very big in the media, and people talk about it all the time, but we rarely talk about it, Robert, and that is the anti-aging or the longevity or the age management component. So I actually got blackballed from A4M in 2000, or two, actually 2002, I guess it was, because in 2001 yeah. I, was, I was their highest-rated speaker, but I made a comment from a panel discussion once. I said that all these people are talking about hormones, so there's like five of us on a panel. Right. And I made the comment that if you think that giving people hormones uh, is the key to living longer, you guys are seriously, seriously off your rocker. Dude, you just asked to be kicked out of anti-aging yeah. medicine. When you say that, you're done. You're done. You're toast. Oh, of course, now, you know, years later, they start having um, courses in 2005, 2006, 2007. They start actually having doctors teaching um, uh, chelation courses and heavy metal courses. Uh, the only reason I know that is because a number of the instructors were people that came to my training program. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's interesting that... Everybody talks about anti-aging, age management, longevity medicine, whatever you want to call it. The key there is the same thing, is the removal of toxicity. Mm -hmm. And if you can remove toxicity, if you can eliminate toxicity, it's almost like turning back the hand of time. Because now you're resetting the clock the way the creator designed it. The, the way the creator designed our bodies to be. I mean, when we were born, we were relatively clean, except for the um, toxicity that we were exposed to in utero from our mothers. Um, we were the cleanest we've ever been. Right. And then as we accumulate the toxins on the, from the planet, from the exposure, from what we're breathing, what we're eating, what we're drinking, etc., that's where uh, a lot of this burden begins. So I think that removal of toxicity leading to uh, lower incidence of disease is one aspect, and of course, an improvement in function which allows you to live a longer, healthier, cleaner life. Yeah, and I've said it so many times, however old you are, that's you know how long you've been potentially accumulating toxins, especially if you haven't done, I would say aggressively or certainly in a focused manner, uh, reduce the burden that you know you've been exposed to and may have been accumulating. And so yep. the key is to reduce that burden ultimately and then restore the function by getting the garbage out of the way and then giving the body what it needs. It's nothing that we haven't done before or that you haven't written about, uh, but it needs to be repeated because our pattern as a human species has been to behave like little children, spoiled little children on this planet, pretending like anything we do, there's no effect to what we do, and we could just keep doing it. Yep, we, we tend to play without realizing that there's a consequence to our play. And that consequence is usually measured in re- reduced number of years that we were on the planet. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, uh, if you want to keep going and, and getting, uh, you know, hydrogenated fried uh, GMO chicken, I don't know. You know, people, this was another thing about the, the folks in Flint I talked about. We're almost out of time here. Is that you've got to rise higher up on the survival scale and recognize that what you put into your body does indeed matter. And, yes, it takes effort. Yes, you might have to cook some at home. But my goodness, at what, what, at what cost did you uh, say, no, that's too expensive, I don't want to live? 
Exactly, exactly. People tend to think about uh, everything in, in terms of dollars and cents, and that's fine. But how much do you spend on your car? How much do you spend on your house? Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to take care of your system and, and invest in your health, because that is exactly what it is, an investment. Yeah. Um, and I've had people, I've heard people say that, well, it's too expensive. And you, you know, you're talking about uh, maybe a 1000 or $2,000 to do something, mm-hmm. and it's too expensive. Well, Dude, hello. Well, well, well uh, we... We'll keep encouraging you, folks. I'm glad that uh, Dr. Batar and I are here each week to get this message out. And thank you for adding to it by being out there. Say thanks to all our wonderful sponsors that support us. And in the meantime, safe travels to all y'all. And Dr. Batar, tell us what we need to know to to leave for the day. That the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.